This week on the Big Story Podcast. 911, what's the location of your emergency? Sandy Hook Elementary School, 12th Dickinson Drive. What's going on down there? I believe they're shooting at the front, at the front glass. Something's okay. going on. A quiet town shattered by a school massacre. I was racing to the school in the van, arriving on a scene like I've never seen in my life before of emergency vehicles. 20 children and six adults killed in a rampage shooting. The idea that all these kids could be killed in a grade school, that was so overwhelming that people just couldn't handle it. 10 years later, what has changed? The majority of those who died today were children. They had their entire lives ahead of them. Birthdays, graduations, weddings, kids of their own. Hi, I'm Joe Zarenko, a producer here at Big Story. We produce around 15 documentaries every year and wanted to bring all that work from the field to a new format. We're hoping with this podcast, it might help us to tap into a different audience and allow us to share our stories from all around the world. I personally review scripts for our correspondents who are deployed in cities throughout the Americas. It's not an easy job because you want to be even-handed and fair, but everyone brings their own beliefs and passion to a story, so that can make it complicated. So you'll be the judge of how we're doing. We start our series with a very controversial topic, guns in the U.S. This episode is called Unbearable, Sandy Hook, 10 Years Later. It's on 911, what's the action it's 10 Dickinson Drive in Sandy Hook, Newtown, Connecticut. It sounds like there are gunshots in the hallway. I'm a teacher in the school. Okay, where are you? Are you in the school right now? I am in the school. I'm okay. in the classroom. Okay, do you have everyone in the classroom and the door? All of my students. The door is not locked yet. Locked. I have to go. Okay, lock the door. Tell me, keep everybody calm, keep everybody down, get everybody away from the windows, okay? Yes. On December 14, 2012, Mark Barden sent his three children to Sandy Hook Elementary School on what he thought was just another ordinary morning. Instead, it was a day that would transform his life forever. I started getting texts and phone calls and emails about um, a lockdown in, in our school system. Then I heard that there was the reports of a possible uh, shooting in Sandy Hook Elementary School. And then from that moment on, it was a blur. I was racing to the school in the van, arriving on a scene like I've never seen in my life before of emergency vehicles. I kept waiting for Daniel and kept trying to find out the news, like what's going on. After a while, it seemed like everybody had been evacuated. I'm like, well, where's Daniel's class? And after that, our, our governor at the time collected the remaining families in a room in the firehouse. And, and that's when they announced that, um, that's when they announced that six educators and 21st grade children had been shot to death. And that if you haven't been connected with your loved one, they're probably laying dead in the school. 
So when you ask me how I tell that story or how I interpret what this does to you, there are no words. Mark Barden and some of the parents founded the Sandy Hook Promise with the commitment to try to stop school shootings. They go into schools to teach students how to recognize the warning signs and prevent violence. The program has helped save 378 lives. So when people say, if nothing changed after what happened in Sandy Hook, nothing will ever change. And uh, um, that's just not true. This is social change. This is cultural change that takes time, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of consistency. And um, we're in it for the long game. What has also changed during the past 10 years since Sandy Hook? The face of the average gun owner. At one time, the stereotype of a gun owner was white, male, and conservative. But that's no longer true. One of the fastest growing groups of gun owners is the black community. Y'all training or y'all shooting? Every Sunday, a gun range in Maryland is filled with black shooters using their firearms for target practice. Black owner Mark Manley says his patrons are buying more guns because of a rising homicide rate in their communities and a surge of killings among black people by police. You're starting to see that we're starting to wake up. It's time to start defending ourselves because it just seems like we've been getting slaughtered from our own people, from law enforcement. They take away our guns, we're defenseless. We should be able to allow whatever kind of firearm we would like to. Firearms in the black community has always been a stigma because we were always taught guns were bad. Not guns can be used in competitions, not that we can use to defend ourselves. Gun laws are only protect criminals. They don't, they don't protect law-abiding citizens. A criminal couldn't get a gun off the street. So that doesn't protect us. We have to protect ourselves. So we can't rely on, we don't have a police on, on, on speed dial. We can't put a police officer in our pocket. We have to defend ourselves. We have to learn how to defend ourselves. I grew up in pretty rough areas. Most of my friends have lost their lives to gun violence. The world would be a better place if more people knew how to defend themselves and knew how to use a firearm. And I, I told him, I said, yeah, I said, I said, man, we, we appreciate your information. This is what this community is about, about educating. There's also a new generation of gun rights advocates who are pushing firearm ownership beyond what's ever been seen before. They're making their own 3D firearms at home. John, who asked that we conceal his identity, is one such homemade gun manufacturer. I find 3D printing to be a fascinating hobby and skill set, and I love firearms to really push the burgeoning edge of that technology. So every single one of these, we're going to keep pointing in a safe direction. He displays some of the guns he's produced, mostly made of plastic. So here is a wonderful design that I put together that is modeled kind of after one of those Star Wars science fiction blasters in a 22 long rifle that is just fun and beautiful. 
And here is my tactical Oreo holder. This is perfectly designed to hold three Oreos. This gets a little interesting. And when I press this button up top, we get about 400,000 volts. John downloads 3D designs off the internet, then he uploads his own unique designs to share with whoever wants them. There's no obligation to register the 3D guns and no way of knowing how many people out there are producing these firearms. The philosophy among 3D printers is that almost every American who wants a firearm should have the right to make their own at home, with few exceptions. And the fact that these elaborate guns can be made for just a few hundred dollars has made widespread home production of firearms a growing trend. One spool of filament can generate somewhere around eight or nine pistol frames. This costs about $20 to acquire. The frame itself took roughly about 18 hours to produce in a print. It took me roughly about a week to design it on the computer. And then once all my parts have arrived and are completed, maybe 15, 20 minutes of assembly. Um, this is a completed firearm at that point. This would absolutely walk right outside and go bang, just that, that fast. Any sufficient leap in technology to the uninitiated will appear as magic. We just don't understand what's possible. So I think it's very much coming. One of my goals is to try to normalize the hobby normalize DIY home-building 3D-printed firearms. All right, dude. What's up, Rob? Welcome back to the range, ancient city. This, this thing, <laughs> completely ridiculous. What else is here? So this is our, uh, our competition design frame that we're working on. John met Rob Pincus, the executive vice president of Second Amendment Organization, at a gun range to test his 3D guns. And we'll walk down range. Pincus promotes responsibility from gun owners by encouraging firearm training, educating them about first aid, and focusing on mental health. He wants less regulation for guns. I got eyes and ears, I'm good. I got, I got ears in my pocket. Let's do it. Freedom isn't safe. And we have the freedom, now we have to be smart enough to exercise it responsibly. And that means getting the training, controlling access to our guns, being smart enough to know when we shouldn't be carrying the gun or where we shouldn't be carrying the gun, how to carry the gun. All of those things, the training and the responsibility come with the freedom, that they're inseparable. You ready? I believe that just ejected out of the bottom of the magwell. Uh, well, but sometimes that's only because there's nothing wrong. What is stopped after Sandy Hook? The amendment of gun legislation. Pincus says gun owners prevented more gun legislation following the Sandy Hook massacre. It wasn't this turning point that I think a lot of the people on the gun control side thought it might be. There was no assault weapons ban. There was no national federal high capacity magazine ban. There was no, you know, make everybody register their guns. There was no ban on unserialized guns, ghost guns. None of that was, nothing happened. Frank Smith, author of the NRA, The Unauthorized History, 
says this loose regulation of gun ownership has come at a cost and that the U.S. is seeing a homicide rate unparalleled in the developed world. But if everybody is armed, you're going to start seeing more accidents and confusion over who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. Anybody who's ever been in a firefight knows it's very confusing and the fog of war is real. So the idea that you can have people with a minimal amount of training and know what they're doing to make sure that they're shooting the, the bad guys and not the good guys is, is really too much to ask and is going to lead to a great many more casualties, which is already occurring. But the, the problem is we have so much gun violence in this country that a mass shooting, unless it kills uh, children or a great many uh, people all at once, is, is now barely news. In the decade after Sandy Hook, the mass shootings continued. Charleston, Orlando, Uvalde, Parkland. According to the Gun Violence Archive, which collects information on gun violence for public access, the U.S. has suffered 3,500 mass shootings since 2012. There are no straight answers in a debate that reignites every time there's a new shooting. That's all for this Big Story podcast. Our thanks to our correspondent in the field, Toby Muse, and here in our CGTN studios, our thanks to my colleagues Kai Shu Zhao and Caleb Lopez. If you want to watch the full-length documentary, please go to CGTN Now on Apple TV.